This show is brought to you by Female Alliance Media, by women, for women. Welcome back to the Imperfect Creatrix Podcast, the space that was created to share stories. Since I became a mom in 2020, I have become so passionate about health, wellness, and changing the narrative around mindset, movement, and nutrition. On the podcast, I will share all that I have learned and continue to learn, because I believe we are all capable of imperfectly creating change in our lives to help us live authentically and prioritize what matters most to each of us individually. I am so grateful that you are here. This is a call to take action as you sign up for the Dare to be Challenged event, 5K Run or Walk or 10K Run. Keep in mind that nothing builds confidence like taking action. Confidence in their view is action and includes repeated attempts, calculated risk-taking, and resilience. These skills and dispositions, as they have experienced, can change the way you think and act for the better. Success is built on success, and as I have personally learned and seen on my own journey, one successful training session does indeed lead to the next. So if you are ready to take action with me, Sunday, May 28th at Holiday Beach in Amherstburg, if you are local to my community, I would be so grateful if you would join my team in Perfect Creatrix. The link to register can be found in the show notes. I look forward to meeting you in person and speaking at this event, providing women and girls an opportunity to take action and to challenge themselves. Hello and welcome back to the podcast and another beautiful Wednesday and another meaningful conversation. Today on the podcast, I have Erin. Erin is an author, speaker, and coach for those who struggle with conflict, communication, and performance during high-stress times. She supports them in navigating difficult conversation, conversations, building powerful teams, and communicating with empathy so that they can lead confidently. Erin has a Bachelor of Science degree in Civil Engineering from the University of Calgary and is an Associate Certified Coach through Integral Coaching Canada. Her book, Inside Out Empathy, captures what she's learned in her 20-year construction career about the power of using empathy to build, develop, and inspire high-performing teams. Erin is committed to discovering your leader within and supporting you to lead with impact from the inside out. All right, welcome back to the podcast. So today with me, I have another um, friend that I met recently in my coaching community that I am in. So this is how our paths have crossed. And I'm just so grateful that so many of the women that I share space with in this community um, are able to come and share their space and time with me to have some more meaningful conversations on the podcast. So with that, today we have Erin Thorpe with us. And I'm going to let you, Erin, introduce yourself to the listeners and just tell them a little bit more about your story. Thanks, Christy. It's great to be here. Uh, So yeah, we are in the same coaching community and our paths have crossed, but I, 
I come from an engineering background, so um, very different than a lot of the women that may be in our community. Uh, I've worked in construction for over 20 years and about seven years ago, kind of got fed up of having the same conversation about how we keep women in construction and how do we keep women in engineering and how do we up these, you know, percentages. Um, because from my experience, it really came down to how we were leading them. And so I decided to um, take matters into my own hand, which I would say has been a trait of mine since I was very young. Uh, and stepped out into the space of leadership development. So I primarily now work with uh, small to medium size and even some larger companies in the engineering and construction space um, and really help them create a different experience for their employees by teaching and coaching their leaders uh, on things like empathy and compassion and tough conversations uh, and so it's been very rewarding work. Oh my gosh. I, I really love everything that you just said there. And, um, it's just, I feel like it resonates with me so much because I, um, I was kind of telling you this before we jumped on this call that I was, I'm still trying to kind of figure out where my path is leading me, but I know that, um, since I became a mom in 2020, that, I just, I, I felt a shift in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things on the external that I've shifted um, internally as well, but I found myself kind of like at a crossroads where um, I am a teacher and I absolutely love and appreciate uh, my career and the job that I have. I am on maternity leave currently. So I feel like it's also given me the space the second time around with the second pre pregnancy, however, to really focus on, you know, how I want to lead and how I want to show up in my life. And I feel like I'm being pulled in two different directions, right? Like you said, I just, I want to have more passion for what I'm doing and I want to show up and be able to lead in a different way. And I'm still trying to kind of figure out what that is for me, but that's why I appreciate women like yourself. I was telling you, you do, you inspire me with the things that you are doing and yeah, even just all of the stuff around empathy. Um, I kind of actually want to jump into that for a second. I know that you have a book. Yeah. Um, I have not read your book, but um, I just kind of found this out. So I'm definitely going to have to look into that. So maybe you could tell us what it's called and a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So many uh, little sparks of conversation that we want to have. So the book is called okay. Inside Out Empathy. Um, and it is um, a little bit of my story on in terms of like how I grew up and how I became to be the leader that I am today, but also casting a bit of a vision around, you know, being able to lead with empathy. Um, and I, through my own journey, it really became apparent that in order to have empathy for others, we have to start by having empathy for ourselves, which I think as women is really hard for us to do. Um, I think we're our own worst critics and um, we don't let ourselves off the hooks very easily. So that's been a big part of my journey and my learning uh, in motherhood and in life. Um, you know, just hearing you talk about the call when you had your first child, you know, and just, is there more, is there something different? I can totally relate to that. Um, for me, that was back in 2004 when I became a mom and, you know, I went back into my construction career and it was like all the things that made me a good mom were totally working against me, or I thought they were working against me in my career because I kept getting feedback that I needed to be a different person. 
And I sat in that space for a really long time, probably way longer than I needed to. Um, but that's my own journey uh, until I really could marry those two parts of myself together and lead in a way that honored me, right? And and I didn't have to pull myself in part any longer. Yeah, I can absolutely resonate um, with all of that. That was definitely my experience becoming a mom. I feel like I've said this before on the podcast. I felt like I was literally just like catapulted into this new identity. And we all know um, in our community, especially, they always talk about it being like personal growth on steroids, right? And I was just not prepared for um, the total change of identity that was going to happen for myself. And uh, looking back, actually, I do recognize now that I definitely lacked empathy, even just, you know, for myself and some of the struggles that I was having. I was being a lot harder on myself um, than I needed to be, but dealing with the range of emotions was, it was just, it was difficult um, because I actually talked on a previous um, episode with another member of our community about just um, that sobriety piece and how, you know, I just, I used to numb a lot of my feelings to avoid having to feel them. Right. So I'm actually curious, what do you have like any tools, strategies, things that you use obviously with your clients that help them just to form more of that empathy. So they're able to show up, um, Mm. differently in their lives. Yeah. For a lot of us, you know, I think, so I always describe it like I run into two types of people in my work. The people that say like, oh, I don't feel anything and I'm not emotional. And then I have the other person that's like, my emotions are so messy and they're all over the place and they're spilling out and I don't know what to do with them. And both are kind of like on, both of those things are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and neither one is is necessarily where we want to be, right? We don't want to be so closed off that we don't feel anything. And we don't want to be so overrun by emotion all the time that we can't pull ourselves together. So the work is really about coming to the middle where we have capacity to feel what we need to feel, not get stuck in it and be able to hold that for other people as well and not get stuck in taking it on for them um, and kind of use this emotion as the intelligence and the information that it was meant to give us, right? Emotions are there for a reason. Uh, They are pieces of information, just like, you know, when you plug in your phone to your car or you use a GPS system, it's the the information that you put into it is getting you somewhere. Emotions are the same way. They're designed uh, to help us either move away from the things we don't want to feel or move towards the things we do want to feel. Um, And so when we cut ourselves off from that, or we don't pay attention to it, right? And we let it kind of run the show. We don't know where we're going. And we're we're missing a really big piece of our own navigation system. And so the tools, but it can be very scary to start to come to the middle. And so the work that I tend to do with clients and with teams is slowly through small exercises over time, getting people to feel safe with their own emotions and to come back into that centerpiece where it's like, I can recognize when I'm angry and choose my actions instead of letting the anger like override what I want to say or do. And I can choose to feel sad and grief. And I know that it's not going to swallow me up and, you know, take me away to this really dark place. But it it's 
it's a series of small exercises, Christy, and they're very customized to the person because it all depends on where you start on that spectrum. Oh my gosh. I love that's, that is super important. I'm actually glad that you brought that up because I do feel like um, even just, you know, in my career as a teacher, like, I just feel like, you know, not all students are meant to fit in just like this, you know, one size yes. fits all box. They're all individual. Right. Um, and I feel like if we had more time and space and capacity to be able to tailor that to each of them, um, we yeah. would see a lot more success in yeah. education. Um, but that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, that's a big I, rabbit hole we could go down. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to go there today, but, um, no, it's just, I, I like to look at it through a lens of my own life. And you were actually like speaking to so many parts of me. I was actually, um, before I had my children, I find that I was on that one side of the spectrum, like you said, where I was so closed off to emotions and I had found ways, like I said, to numb them and shut them out completely. But then becoming a mom, no longer having any of those um, patterns or patterns of dependency in my life to help me numb those emotions. And then also just becoming a mother in the range of like hormones that you have. Totally. totally. Yeah. I had to, like, I dove into this like emotions pool and um, I just wasn't sure what to do with them. Right. So this is why Heather's community that we're in together has just been such a blessing for me because I feel like I'm finally starting to understand how I can um, yeah, just get myself into the middle. Yeah. So I'm not drowning in all the emotions yeah. that I feel, but sometimes it feels isolating too. Like you feel like you're the only person going through it. And I do find that if I'm ever having a day where the emotions are, you know, tougher to deal with, um, some of the comments that I'll sometimes receive are just like, it almost makes me feel like people don't want to experience you experiencing those emotions. If that makes any sense, I'm trying to, yeah, put it, it into words. I totally get what you mean. And I, yeah, like guilt. I feel guilty yeah. for feeling. And yeah. I feel like that's why a lot of people don't just embrace the fact that yes, like you said, our emotions are like almost like a gift, right? Like they're there to show us what is yeah. needed and what's not. So yeah, maybe you could speak a little bit to that. Yeah. And I think this is, this is probably the biggest empathy miss if, if we can call it that, um, that a lot of us have. And I was certainly guilty of this myself and I still catch myself to this day, um, is when somebody is feeling an emotion, we want to fix it, especially if it's something that they don't right? And we'll do one of two things. Um, and Brene Brown talks a lot about this, but I see it in my client work all the time is we'll do one of two things. If somebody's feeling something that's undesirable, let's call it, because I don't think there's bad and good emotions. I think all of it is information, but if somebody is feeling something that's undesirable, fear, anxiety, shame, guilt, whatever, um, we'll want to like put on our superhero cape and run in and rescue them and be like, I'll take that feeling away from you. And this is all you have to do. And we try to make it better for them. And the reality is there's absolutely nothing that you can say or do in that moment for the most part to take this feeling away from this person. It's something they have to process and go through themselves. You can walk them right? You can walk beside them. You can say, I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to help you through this time just by being here, but there's nothing I can do or say that's actually going to make you feel less guilt, less fear, less anxiety. Like, right. I just have to sit with you while you're going through it. And so that's kind of empathy. Miss number one is we want to fix it. If it's an undesirable feeling. 
And the other thing we tend to do is if it's a desirable feeling, like somebody's feeling joy or excitement or happiness, we'll go, wait till the other shoe drops, right? Like we'll want to bring them back down out of that feeling and we'll go, yeah, just you wait. It's not going to last for long. Like we can't even let people sit in that, you know, um, excitement or that desirable feeling. It's like, for some reason as human beings, we're always trying to, um, we don't just sit with the person in it and be like, let me experience this joy with you for as long as it's going to last. Cause this is really amazing. And then let me sit with you in your grief or your fear. Um, because this is also a really amazing experience, you know, to, to be able to witness you navigating this and we don't do that enough. Yeah, well, I totally agree. Um, it, it always brings up for me, and I've spoke about this before too, is just that contrast, right? So that's what I try to remind myself. Like you need to have the contrast of, like you said, it's not good or bad. It's just, you know, the the challenges that bring that growth, that bring that joy and that happiness and all those things. And I actually have started to become more aware because again, this is still a practice and I feel like it's going to be yeah. something that I need to practice for the rest of my life, truthfully, because, yes, you know, so, so many of these things have been ingrained in us and it's very hard to break some of the things and the patterns um, that we grew up um, seeing. Right. But even for example, like with my son, who's two years old, it's very difficult for me when he's having, um, you know, some of his more undesirable emotions to not go to his rescue and try to help and yeah. fix. Um, but sometimes when I do do that, I'm recognizing now that I am. And then I try to bring myself back to a place where I remember that it's important for him to understand his his emotions and that all range of them, like they're all OK yeah. to have. Yeah. If you think about, you know, like an axis, a flat line, the amount you're able to feel joy is directly proportional to the amount you're able to feel fear, grief, anxiety, right? And so like, if you're riding this wave, that's really tight to the center line, you don't feel much at all, right? You kind of just little tiny blips. So the bigger your, your down blips get the, the higher your, your desirable blips get as well. Um, blips is a weird word to say, but I think that's, you know, on a podcast, it's always hard when you're trying to paint an image of something, but, uh, but that's really how I look at it. Right. And, and you're right. One of the greatest gifts we can give our children, I think is to help them just as we help them build, you know, um, vocabulary around reading or math literacy or, you know, social literacy in terms of what's going on in their community. I think it's so important that we allow them to build this emotional literacy as well. And they're not scared by their emotions, but they learn to trust them. Right. And they learn to recognize, I don't feel safe here. I can trust that gut feeling and I can get myself out of it, or I do feel happiness and it's okay to feel happy. I don't have to feel bad about feeling happy, even though my friend might be going through a really difficult time, right? And just how do we teach them to sit with it? And we teach them by modeling it, right? Because that's how they learn everything that they learn from us. Yes. Um, and I feel like this is this is where I'm at um, on my journey as well. I just feel like I want my work to be more aligned with just that. I don't want to just teach and have, you know, the ideal student and then be at their best all of the time. Like I want to be able to support them through 
all of the range of emotions, exactly like you said, and be able to teach them that, you know, it's okay to just, I, I just feel like um, so many of us would have grown up so differently had that been the messaging behind it. Um, and the only way to, to help, you know, future generation um, grow in that way is just to start now by, by showing yeah. up and, and showing them that there, there is a different way. And that's why I feel like these conversations are just so important. It doesn't mean that everything's going to shift overnight, but just <laughs> even small little shifts yeah. um, have ripple effects. And I, I believe honestly, truthfully, that you explained it perfectly because I also feel like it needs to be explained in a way that people are really truly able to grasp and to understand um, like that might even be something that I use with my son now. I might explain like the straight line with the blips. Um, yeah. Which is, he watches Blippi. So now I'm thinking he might be able to make the uh, connection, <laughs> connection in that way. So we'll see. But you know, I, I appreciate everything that you're saying. It, it's mm -hmm. it's making so much sense to myself as well. And I'm having a ton of aha moments right now. So thank you. Oh, good. Um, so just speaking to all of that, um, just curious your thoughts on just the importance, because I know that I put a lot of importance on this, but the importance of putting yourself on your calendar with children, with a career, um, yeah, yeah and just a lesson. the emotions that come day to day, right? I just feel like that is something that I just wanted to also add onto all of this. Absolutely. And it's a lesson that continues to challenge me. Um, I think we go through different seasons in our parenting and I've started to explain it. Cause so I'm entering the teenage years, like we've launched one out into the world. We've got two more coming behind her. Um, and I've kind of explained for me, there was three distinct trimesters of parenting, um, just like there are in pregnancy. So semester trimester one is like zero to six years where you're just physically exhausted all the time. Kind of like when you're in early pregnancy, right? You don't feel good. Everything's changing. It's like your whole world's upside down. That's kind of what zero to six felt like for me. And then my kids got into this like six to 12 age range and it was fun. It was like the second trimester of pregnancy where you feel good. You're not showing it's not, you're not hugely uncomfortable. Um, you can go places with your kids. You can do things. They can eat out in a restaurant fairly reasonably. You know, they still like you. They want to be around you. They think you're pretty cool. So it's a lot of fun. And then you enter this third trimester of parenting, which is a lot like the third trimester of pregnancy where you're just like, all right, I'm done with this. It's time to move on. Like, let's get going. And you get uncomfortable. Um, and it's hard to move around. And that's what it's like with teenagers because they start to have their own life. They start to push back. You're not so cool anymore, right? You're like a bank machine in a taxi. Um, and you have to deal with your own emotions of like, now I got to launch you out into the world and let you go. And they start to, you know, push back on all of those boundaries and they're driving and they're out with friends and they're past curfew. And it's, you know, it's a lot of emotional work in this third trimester of just like, maintaining your headspace to get it right, you know, to do the best you can. And so through all of those phases, um, the importance of putting yourself on your calendar first cannot be overstated, you know, and I think, I think in our current way of living, uh, you know, compared to maybe more traditional models, there's definitely been this messaging that like, you can have it all, you know, and I saw a post on LinkedIn, or I think it was on Instagram the other day that said, you know, you're supposed to parent 
like you don't have a job, but you're supposed to work like you don't have kids. And it's like, you know, and the, really that has been this messaging of our generation is like going from our mothers and our grandmothers, like go and do all the things we weren't able to do because now this world has opened up to you. Oh, by the way, don't forget to be a good mom and, and raise these children and, and, you know, launch good people out into the world. And we've totally lost our communities of women raising babies together and supporting each other through that. Um, we've lost this message that raising these babies is a really important job and it is a full time and a half job and it never shuts off job. <laughs> even when yeah. you do launch them, I will tell you, even when they leave the home, you're still their person, you know? Um, and so I think the lesson I've been learning through all of this is the things I need at these different phases of my parenting journey have had to shift and change. Right. So like when my kids were really little, what I needed most was like sleep and like physical rest. Cause it was busy. Mm-hmm. And then that middle period, you kind of, you know, it, it actually was pretty fun. It's, you know, they're, they're a little bit independent. You can kind of carve out some space. They think you're cool. Um, all that's going on. And now what I really need is like mental and emotional and like stimulation rest. Like I wear my noise canceling headphones around the house all the time right now, because there's just, everybody's on a different TikTok or a different TV is on. And there's just like, there's so much noise in my house, you know? And so I think, again, it's a very personal journey that we have to go on as mothers and then not be afraid to ask for what we need. Um, and I say that really lightly, but I know it is not a, an easy thing to do. It has been it has been the journey of my motherhood. Uh, it has been really like taking the time to go, what do you need in this moment, Aaron? And if it's like, I need all the TVs off. Okay. Maybe that's not possible, but how can I create the environment with all the TVs off, right? Noise canceling headphones in my bedroom, like go really honoring whatever that is that's coming up for you. Um, because it's not what I have found. It's not spa days. It's not, you know, pedicures and manicures and facials. Those are nice to have, but it's those everyday little tiny practices of just like honoring what you need in those moments. Yeah. For me, it's all about, oh my gosh, there's so much I could say about all of that. But for me, it's just, it's the simple things too, right? Like just being able to sit in silence or getting out in nature for a walk by myself, um, just being able to kind of like recenter, right? Cause it's, it's just overstimulating. Like you said, it takes a lot of mental capacity, yeah. especially, um, is what I find to be able to manage, you know, just my own emotions, but then everybody else's as well. And, um, well, and I think that's a big, if we can pause right there, because I think that's a yeah. big myth and I'm, I am unlearning that right now that it is not my job to manage everyone else's emotions. Absolutely. And yeah, I think as mothers, we take, yeah, we take that on kind of un, like unknowingly, or it just sort of happens. It's kind of by osmosis. We have these little people and sure when they're months old and we're co-regulating together and we're, you know, shushing them and patting them and rocking them. Yeah, we are teaching them how to manage their emotions. But I think our biggest job is teaching them how to manage their emotions and ourselves being okay, sitting in the discomfort of them being upset or them having a difficult emotion. 
I'm so happy. So happy that you just brought that up and that you said that. It's it's absolutely so true. And those are the things that I feel like we need to be reminded of though. Yeah. Um yeah. because it doesn't come it doesn't come as first nature and it's yeah, it's it definitely doesn't. something that is so important though and just like I said just that awareness piece even if you just have that in the beginning and Another thing you spoke on earlier, and it was what I was going to say was one of the most important pieces I do believe too, is just this, it's connection and community. Like you said, we lost that, but I feel like when you're able to connect with other women, with other mothers, um, no matter their circumstances, it's just, it, it makes you realize that you're not alone in feeling the things that you're feeling and struggling through some of the things that you feel, you know, are, are difficult. Um, yeah. It's just, it's so nice to be able to have open and meaningful conversations about stuff like this. Um, Cause yeah, I believe that that's where, you know, change really starts to happen too. It's true. And I think, you know, as women, when we take on managing the emotions at home, I see it spill over into the workplace and a lot of the work that I do. Um, I see a lot of female uh, you know, employees, managers, team leaders, executives in the workplace feeling like they have to manage the emotions of everybody on their team um, because we haven't learned how to build that capacity because these are just muscles like any other muscle in our body, right? It's, it's a neuro pathway. We just have to build the pathway that allows us to recognize, okay, I see you're having one of these undesirable emotions or you're having this big feeling right now. Um, I can sit with you in this, but I don't need to take it home with me. And it's not my job to fix it or manage it um, or to make it better. Yeah, absolutely. I am, I am beyond grateful that you showed up today to have this conversation with me. I feel like there were just so many important things that were said on here today. And I'm actually so excited to put this episode out into the world for anybody who needs to hear it. I mean, it doesn't even have to be, you know, mothers in, in yeah. general, like it could be, this message is for, for anybody. Um, so before we part ways, I just want you to maybe just leave um, us with one final um, message lesson as it relates to empathy and then just share where people can find you if they want to connect um, after listening to this episode. Yeah. I think I think we all, well, my experience is most of us have an idea of what we think empathy is. And then when we really look at our behaviors, um, we aren't practicing it, right? And so uh, again, my my lesson or my tip or the thing that I just want people to walk away with is it starts with yourself, right? You've got to start recognizing how harshly you are talking to yourself, how, you know, the lack of self-compassion that you have for you. A lot of the things that I used to say to myself, I never would have said to another walking human being on this earth because I just couldn't imagine those words coming out of my mouth, but they would rattle around inside my head directed at me. And so I think what we tell ourselves is so important. And that's the first exercise or the first lesson is just, you've got to get aware and build that awareness around what are you actually telling yourself and, um, work to cultivate self-compassion and to be kinder to yourself. And it will trickle out all into the world once you start doing that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I believe that as well. Yeah. Um, so where Erin can people find you if they, uh, yeah, if they yeah. want to just continue the conversation, even work absolutely. with you. Yeah, things. that would be great. <laughs> Uh, so first they can find out about me on my website, which is, uh, So it's E R I N T H O R P.ca. Um, Instagram, you can connect with me there as well. Um, and LinkedIn is, those are kind of the two social platforms that I hang out on. So thank you for having and me. And I today. have all your, <laughs> I have all your information. I will share it all in the show notes so people are able to see it, but yes, um, no, thank you truly for coming and for sharing this meaningful conversation with me. I learned a lot today and I just, I appreciate you so, so much. And I'm excited just to see you more in the community. Thanks, Christy. Talk soon. Thank you so much for showing up today and for taking the time to listen to another episode. If any part of this resonated with you, it would mean so much to me if you would share it with another woman who may need to hear it too. If you want to stay connected, you can find me on Instagram to follow my journey. Accountability coaching is also available. And if you want to learn more, all of the details can be found in the show notes. As always, don't forget to be brave, to trust yourself, and when you're ready, take action.